Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. We're so glad you've come alongside. And with me in the studio today, Nabil Safi, who speaks in the Arabic language on our sister broadcast of Christians Broadcasting Hope that is heard throughout the Middle East. Nabil, thanks for coming today. It's a pleasure, Jim. Thanks. And uh, Nabil is someone who has grown up and spent a lifetime in the Middle East. Beirut, your hometown? Correct. Yes. One of the most stunningly beautiful cities in the world, and many people don't realize that until you get there and see that Mediterranean Sea and all of its hues of aqua and green. When you see the steep hillsides rising up from the sea, the sidewalk cafes, all of the life and energy, the pulse of the city, that's not the Beirut most people see, but that's the one you know. This is the one I grew up in. But also, you know the Beirut that is proximate to one of the most turbulent parts of the world, miles away from the Islamic State, a city which, when you were a child, was war-torn itself. Today, a little bit of a bubble in an uneasy peace, but flooded with refugees. I mean, you've seen Beirut from both sides. Correct. Correct. And you've seen the Middle East upside down and forward and backward and at every other angle. Yes. Yes, Jim. (laughs) And today, on Viewpoint, we're going to talk to you about what that means and how that informs you and you might inform us. How do we come to terms with the headlines, the horrors, the dread news that comes from that part of the world and actually can come to our doorstep as well? Stay with us. Last week on Viewpoint, Nabil Safi was our guest as well, and we talked to Nabil a little bit about the Islamic State, how it is a radicalized Islam that is both a political entity and also an ideological and theological one, Mm -hmm. a kind of extreme reading of their holy books to promote all kinds of horrors and cruelty that take our breath away when we see them in social media, on the broadcast news, and so on. But you know that those kinds of horrors are not just unique to the Islamic State, that that's been a part of human history, sad to say. Yes. And it's certainly been a part of the Middle Eastern history from ancient time until now. Yeah, I'm at least at the vortex, Jim. <laughs> and, and, and maybe that's because the Middle East has always been a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because God himself seems to have walked on the earth there. It's the source of the revelation of God in the Old and New Testaments in ancient Israel, just south of where you called home, but all of it is of the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. For so many reasons and some mysteries we can't explain, so much of the world's history has been cradled right there. And in all continents, there are trajectories and events and dramas and traumas that are actually rooted in what happens there. And you yourself have grown up in a city that was ravaged by war, not in the Islamic State Day, but in an earlier epoch. Mm-hmm. You're a young guy, by my measure, but still, you know, there's been this churning of different actors, different violence-prone groups, but all converging, even in your homeland. And I'm just summarizing, Nabil, one of the most remarkable things about your voice is having grown up in a world that was unpredictable, unspeakably violent, Mm -hmm. uh, where the, the stable culture that many people on the globe take for granted was never really a part of your context. You've learned some lessons I'm thinking about how to cope and what to do. Correct. And uh, today, let's talk about some of those. Because what do we do? People who haven't had the benefit, and and perhaps you haven't thought of your upbringing as a benefit, but really it has prepared you to deal with what we see in the headlines today. For people who haven't had that journey, as you've already had it, coping with this world of chaos and violence, 
What do we do? What would you say to someone who is trying to figure out, is this something where I just go run and hide? Do I need to be engaged with my world? What if some people of the Islamic faith that I don't know come close to me if I had an intersection? I know that people are troubled by these questions because there's the unknown, there's the fear, there's the stereotyping, there's the prejudice. What would you say? Well, Jim, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you have kind of uh, uh, drawn a, a, great, a great picture and great painting of, of my childhood and then adults, uh, adult life, early adult life in, in the Middle East, in Middle East, especially in Beirut. And the thing is, as we read the Bible and... Uh, now I read it differently because I have a little daughter, and uh, she she might not have she will not have the same experiences that I had. And uh, when I read the Bible, and uh, I came across like love your enemies, um, it was a true challenge. It was a close challenge, even geographically. When you grow up as a teenager in in a one square mile a circumference uh, for a whole year, like surrounded or under siege, it makes it alive for you. And uh, when you are a follower of Christ, you realize that Christ knew all the history and he came to this part of the world to make a paradigm shift, to change culture, that you cannot continue fighting each other so that you can live peacefully. You have to love one another. And this is an epiphany. And in fact, when, you, when you're living in, 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 in those kind of circumstances and you know Christ came to this particular land to make sure that he changes culture, whoever was there to follow him was called a Christian, a follower of Christ. And we were there eventually as his hands and feet and, and eventually also the salt and light. It's very difficult. It's scary. But at the same time, it, it gives us an opportunity to challenge our, our faith, ourselves, and our true belief in Jesus Christ. Am I hearing you say, Nabil, that growing up in the war-torn Middle East and actually spending some time imprisoned almost by, by hostile forces yes. that surrounded your neighborhood and you couldn't come or go as you pleased, mm-hmm. and you realize that those people were very hostile that were on the periphery of your, mm-hmm. your neighborhood and that your life might be in danger and the lives of those you loved and, and all of that. You're reading the Bible to say, love your enemies, and you're, you're having to wrestle with that because as you read that, that means you have to love the people that have imprisoned you. Yes. And that's no small feat. Yes, that's, that's no small at all, and literally it's really difficult. But having been impressed in that way and lived through it, Mm. you're persuaded that it is the best course, that this command to love your enemies actually falls right out of the lips of Jesus, that that command actually does have power and works. Mm -hmm. Correct. When we come back, I want to talk about that more and how that might be translated for all of us, no matter where we live. And before we take a break, I want you to know that we're always glad to hear from you. We have a toll-free number 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Write this number down, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. And when we come back, we'll revisit with Nabil some of these ideas that he's learned by experience about how to face a very terrifying world. Every 
journey needs a first step to start and every fire grows from a single spark a great symphony begins with just one note and one voice can give the whole world hope it's no impossible nothing we can't face the tallest mountains are moved by the seed of faith come together don't you know that you're not alone Bill Safi has called the Middle East home for all of his adult life. And as he has, he has seen a lot of things come and go, and he's stared down some very difficult scenarios because he grew up in a world where there was hostility, warfare, right up close and personal. And how he learned to cope is uh, what we're talking about today and what lessons we might all learn from that journey. As you have been framed, Nabil, by your faith in coping with this difficult world, I know there's some passages of Scripture that are especially meaningful to you that I'm going to guess help us understand what you want to recommend for us to do. What would that be? Where do you go in the Bible to, to help give you ideas and purpose and direction in how you deal with a world that often is hostile around you? Well, the first passage, I mean, uh, Jim, is going to Matthew 28, to the Great Commission. And when Jesus says, go and make disciples... It's, and I will be with you. So, so there's like a promise, not just a command. This makes me feel good uh, looking back to the context where I grew up. And as I learn more about, about this commandment or, or this uh, commissioning from Jesus, and as, as I learn also uh, the original language that says, like, as you go, it's, it's not like 
just a program as you go, as you do life. Yes, it's it's a continuum. Continuum. As you do life, make disciples. So I'm doing life, trying to protect myself and whoever comes in my and 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 I encounter whoever in my life. Then eventually, I will have the opportunity to make disciples. And you do so knowing that you're in the company of Jesus. That in, yes. in, a, in a mysterious way, He will not abandon you. Never, never. And you know that passage you just quoted also is prefaced where he says, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me." In a way, mm-hmm. he's he's saying, "I'm authorizing you, and I have the authority, I have the capacity, I have the ability to make this work for you." Yes. If you will just walk as I'm asking you to, as you're walking through life, make disciples. Correct. And that has been a a guiding star for you. It has been a true guiding star, especially as I kind of couple it with the fact that Jesus was on earth when he gave this commandment. In the same part of the world where you yes. grew up. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're not talking about Jesus' deity right now. We're talking about also Jesus' humanity, yes. because he chose a culture to be placed in. And this speaks volumes to me. And so I look at the world from the lens of cultures, not just countries. And as you see that, I think many of our listeners today might wonder, all right, I can hear what Nabil is saying, and I understand he survived a lot of things uh, in Lebanon through tumultuous times, but what do I do? Uh, Let's say I find myself walking through life, and I am suddenly intersecting with the Islamic community, which I see on the news so much, and I've heard so many people talk about, and I'm not familiar with the this except to be afraid. I mean, sadly, that is where many people land. What would you say to them, given your commitment to this text? Yes. Don't fear, because I'm, I'm 99% sure that the person you are going to encounter is also afraid and is bleeding from inside. His or her culture is, are, is in a bleeding situation. That's why I look at cultures. Let's, now I'm diff- in a different setting, in a different culture. I'm speaking the English language because I'm in an English culture setting. I'm not in my Arabic program. I'm, I'm adjusting. And Jesus calls us to adjust ourselves to, to the culture. He adjusted himself to the human culture so that he, he can relate to us and we can relate to him. And we have to hear their aching hearts. And we have to listen to the voices of those folks that they look fearful and they look powerful and they look that they want to inflict harm and and pain on us. But deep inside them, they are bleeding. I'm not trying to say that they are innocent, but they are in pain. And when I look at that, I have a different perspective and a different cultural lens to eventually interact. And I think it's important, Nabil, as you're describing that, this is a man who has grown up actually in an Islamic world. Correct. I mean, you were the minority uh, mm. as a follower of Christ sure. in your homeland. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're not just speaking theoretically. Oh, no. <laughs> you can see faces, as you've described, mm-hmm. uh, of Islamic neighbors and others with whom you might pass by. And these days, our world and its globalization has mixed up cultures everywhere. Yes. And I'm hearing you say, first up, don't be afraid. Yes. Start looking for the heart and understand that every heart is broken, 
no matter how they may be dressed or what their ideology might be. Correct. And then what? Then as when we look at each other as humans, as people, then the heart of God will eventually move in us. Move in us so that we can show respect and love. Most of the people that we're going to reach out to Christ from the Middle East or from the Islamic uh, world are based out of a honor and shame culture. And love and respect is a rare commodity. Those are treasures that are gemstones. Yes. They're the diamonds of relationships that just aren't available to everyone. Yes. And when others feel the, the mutual respect and the honor that we're giving, then they are susceptible and they are free to listen to our message. So a door can be opened. A door can be opened. For real conversation or interaction in a healthy way. Correct. But there has to be extended a kind of respect and yes. value. Yes. Honor. Yes. And it can be shown in, in multiple of ways. And it doesn't need an expert to do that. When we're called as disciples of Christ, we are to show love, hospitality, and all kinds of uh, kindness uh, to other people, among them the people who come from an Islamic background. As we go about living, again, we make disciples. And discipleship making starts before people accepting Christ. The process starts by us initiating the acts of kindness, acts of love. And this is where it starts. And when we come back, Nabil, I want to ask you, what happens then? Hmm. What's your experience when, in fact, you can actually get to that level of interaction? What kind of good can come from it?
Nabil Safi is a Christian man who grew up in Lebanon in a world surrounded often by what the media would say a hostile Islamic culture. Nevertheless, he moved by the words of Jesus where Jesus commands us to, as we walk through life, to make disciples and, and, and to know that you're not alone, that Jesus walks by our side. He's had a kind of bold way of reaching into people's hearts and understanding that no matter how they look, no matter what our stereotypes or how the press might uh, demonize, people long to be respected, to be honored, and that there are broken hearts everywhere. Mm-hmm. And as you have encouraged us to even see people in our neighborhoods who maybe differ from us, and in this particular conversation from Islamic backgrounds, to not be afraid to understand broken hearts and to try and provide some honor and value and, and respect, what kind of good fruit can you expect? Do people actually change because you love in that way? Well, def- the, the short answer is yes, definitely. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when God works in us, and I'm going I'm to go back to the scripture. Uh, in Ephesians 2.10, he says, And we are God's handiwork or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So when we act and live as true Christians and true disciple makers, then God, through his Holy Spirit, I believe that he kind of restores us to our original setting when he created us or programmed us to do good works. And then when we do them led by the Holy Spirit, not out of obligation or out of guilt or as task-driven, then the recipient eventually will feel the authenticity of our love. One time after another, day in and day out, eventually the question will pop up. And the question is, why? Why are are you doing doing this this to me? That's right. And, And Jim, this is not theoretical. I have had so many people ask me those questions. And I, I call this, this is the God-given moment where the heavens are open for us to share all our gospel, to share the good news. That's why we do that. It's not just, it's not a kind of framed or an equation or a, por- or a potion that we do just with the Islamic people. It's for everyone, but it works also on people from Islamic background. And this is the way of Christ. Yes, first articulated by Jesus himself in a very troubled part of the world 2,000 years ago. Troubled still, but its best hope and our best hope, wherever we are on the planet, for peace is to follow in this way of Christ. Is that a fair understanding of what you're recommending, Nabil? Yes, correct, because the effect of love is going to be humongous on the, on the lives of people, especially from a militant background and fanatic background in Islam, because they are fear-driven. And when you do that, you are instilling first hope and peace and love. And those three elements transform people, not us. That's the Holy Spirit. And all of that works if we ourselves are created new in Christ Jesus. Definitely. We ourselves have to be at peace with God and to understand how to love ourselves as we love others. Because if we are selves are motivated by fear and insecurity, it's going to be very difficult to experience what you've just described. But our first step then really is to surrender our lives into the hands of God, that he could then use us as he originally designed us to be instruments for his love in relating to a very broken and desperate world around us. And to all of our listeners today, 
wherever you are in the world listening to us in the English language. We want you to know that you can take a step towards that right now. You can imagine all other kinds of remedies and other kinds of approaches to this broken world and the desperate people that wreak havoc in it. But we promise you, there's only one way that actually brings life and life everlasting, and that's in Christ. Take a step towards him right now and allow him to create in you something new. You can learn how to truly love and change the world. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful uh, for the testimony of your love, for the work of Christ, and the way in which when we see Jesus, we see you. We thank you for his words preserved for us and his spirit still striving in us. We thank you for Nabil and his testimonies, experience that reassures us that no matter how desperate the moment, there is power in the love of Christ. We long for it in our own hearts. We surrender our lives into your hands. We, we seek forgiveness for our sin, knowing, Lord, that we have no way to repay for our own wrongdoing except to trust the work of Jesus on the cross. Cover us, Lord, by his blood and his life that we might be made new, and in that, that we might do the good works that you've created for us from long ago, and that we might know how to love even those who may at first frighten or intimidate us. May the power of your presence and your life in us, your love in us, change the world this week. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're so thankful, Nabil, for you to come alongside. Thanks for sharing out of your journey today with all of us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And we are so thankful that you've tuned in. We hope that you'll join us again next week as Viewpoint once more tries to help you see your own world from heaven's view. Give us a call, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We want to hear from you. Go online and check us out, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry, support the ministry, send us an email. We will reply. Or send us a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or send us a note by post, we're always glad to hear from you. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.